Hello, my friends. My name is Joe. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. I hope that you are having a great day. I want to talk to you today about a skill that you have to develop if you want healthy relationships. Certainly if you want a healthy, intimate relationship, but any relationship you have has to have this skill in it. And I want to talk to you about it. I want to talk to you about how what it looks like. And then I want to give you some practical steps on how you can develop this skill in your relationships. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. I hope your summer is going well. I hope that you are enjoying uh, the weather wherever you live. If you live here in West Michigan with me, uh, it has been a beautiful fall so far this summer. Uh, we have not seen a lot of warm weather. Uh, as I record this, I can see the sunshine streaming through my office doors uh, to the building, and then my doors are, are kind of clouded um, to provide a, a measure of privacy. But I can see the sunshine And I believe that today is supposed to be a pretty day, if not a warm day. I hope your summer's going well. I know it's been a whirlwind for my family. Uh, I I always want to just find a way to slow summer down. I feel like, especially here last winter, the winter was so hard. And this year, this summer, it's, it's kind of been, well, it hasn't kind of been. It's been a slow starting summer. And I don't know how you do your summer. We have, you know, different trips planned, different camping adventures. And as I look to them, they kind of become the 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 markers for the summer. There's the one that start, there's the trip that started the summer, and then there was the Father's Day trip. And then there's the next trip, and then there's the time off, and then the next trip. And you know, when you run that math out, all of a sudden the summer's over. And it creates a stressful moment for me because I love my kids being home for summer. I know that there are people that don't. I know that there are people that eagerly count down the days till school starts. That just isn't us. And if it is you, that's fine. I will confess that I don't understand that. Um, And and I know when I say that, there are people that feel judged. A couple years ago, I put that up on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, you know, had a bunch of posts of parents who were like just lamenting the idea of summer. And... I put up, I don't understand that. And and people told me, they're like, I feel like you're judging me. I was like, well, the good news is I didn't even know you were one of them. And, you know, I, I guess the other good news is I wasn't judging you. And, and that's probably, it would be a whole interesting podcast. What is it that makes for a judgment, right? What, why do we feel, one of the things that's interesting, I was camping with friends this past weekend and we were talking about the current climate in America. Why do we feel that if we disagree with people, it has to be hate. There has to be manipulation. If you disagree with a pizza shop's politics, then they shouldn't. you shouldn't buy pizza there. Why do people have to completely agree with us in order to A, not be hating us, judging us, and B, in order to do business with us? That doesn't make sense, at least to me. And so what, what that does on, on two levels is it creates a level of distress. It creates a level of distress because I'm a little nervous to talk about the fact that I don't look forward to my kids going back to school. 
it creates another level of distress because I actually have distress over the fact that I feel like summer is here and gone. Which is what leads me to today's podcast. I think one of the things that we have to consider is the fact that there is distress in life. There is stress for everyone. One of these days I'm going to do an episode on the idea that stress and anxiety are not the same thing. Uh, Stress is external. Anxiety is internal. And I'm going to talk about how that distress has to be tolerated. And if you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to tolerate your distress. So I do this. Like there are people that I'll kind of, you know, tentatively bring up the idea of I'm not looking forward to my kids going back to school and I'll see how they respond because I want to be able to have the conversation with them. I want to be able to talk about it, but I don't want it to be weird. More importantly, and that's kind of a minor thing, right? More importantly, in a marriage, there will be distress. In an intimate relationship, there will be distress. And healthy couples not only know that there will be distress, they expect it and they look forward to engaging it in a way that helps them to move forward. And and one of the things, I'm going to just try to summarize this here early. I know sometimes I'll talk for 10, 15 minutes and I won't actually tell you kind of the summary. Here's the summary. If you want to have a healthy relationship, You have to be able to navigate the stress that comes from two people being in an intimate relationship. And you have to navigate it in a way that helps you to move the relationship forward by being able to tolerate the distress. That last part's the key. You have to be able to tolerate the distress. Let's look at a few examples of how this might work. Charity and Lance had been married for about 10 years. Lance grew up in a split home. Charity did not. Lance grew up in a home where when people got mad, they stopped talking. Charity grew up in a home where when you just needed time, you stopped talking. And so when they got married, things were great until they had an argument because Lance would sense that something was wrong with Charity and he'd be like, what's wrong? She'd say nothing. And Lance would be like, are you sure? Yes. And then he knew something was wrong. You know how sometimes the answer is no, but you're like, well, something's wrong. Now, when I would talk to Lance about this, and by the way, I've made these names up completely. When I would talk to Lance about this, I would say, well, is it possible that something was wrong and yet nothing was wrong between you and her? In other words, you know, she was upset because of something she read on Facebook. She was upset because she got a phone call from her sister. There's a host of things. She had a bad day at work. And invariably, he would say, yes, yes, yes. All of those are possible. And yet, he would run it through his head. Because he was distressed, his body was screaming at him, you have to solve this, have to solve this, have to solve this, have to solve this, have to solve this. And so he would keep pushing her. Because not, not because he wanted to navigate the distress to move the relationship forward, but because he wanted to end the discomfort of believing that she was upset and believing it was about him. Now, I love this example because it illustrates so many things. It illustrates the story in Lance's head. It illustrates how that runs in our own heads and creates a picture, creates a movie, it creates a story that we listen to and often we respond to. But part of that rub there was, or in this story is, maybe Charity really isn't upset with him. 
And maybe she is. And that's kind of the problem, right? Like we know there are times when our spouse says, or our significant other says, no, I'm not upset. And then later we find out they were. And so we want that distress to end. But sometimes you just have to sit in that emotional distress and wait. And just wait. One of the things that I consistently hear in the room when I talk to people, just yesterday I was talking to a couple and they're second marriages for each other uh, and they both bring their own children to it and there's been some issues with the children between each other and, and their former spouses both have done some emotionally damaging things. They Both, both of the, the former spouses uh, sound emotionally stunted. Obviously, I've only heard one side of the story. But, but one of the things that they're trying to navigate is what happens when I do something and she's upset. And I'll often say, well, did you do something wrong? Well, yeah. Well, how, how did you determine that? Well, because she was upset. That doesn't mean you did something wrong. That just means you did something and there's some distress there. And you might have to live in that distress. What happens when we think, you know, one person says we should do it this way and the other person says we should do it that way. Sooner or later, you got to f- figure it out. But you can live in that distress probably for a long time. A long time. And, and with the story of Charity and Lance, which again, it made, made up the, that story, made up those names, but it's a common story that you hear in therapy. He's going to have to develop the ability to just sit in the distress. And sometimes that distress comes from, this isn't the way that I thought it would be. This isn't the way that I want it to be. Sometimes that distress comes from, there's something wrong and I can't fix it, right? I don't know how to fix it. There's just distress between us. This is a little bit like, you know, the holiday podcast episode that we talked about last year around Thanksgiving, where we talked about the idea that you married your spouse, you didn't marry their family, you may not like their family, but you can tolerate it. You can tolerate that distress. You don't have to voice every discomfort. You don't have to voice every problem. It's the same type of thing. You know, I often tell people, okay, look, you get to say to your spouse, your significant other, hey, is something wrong? I feel like something's wrong. Here's why you're doing these behaviors that typically occur when something's wrong. If they still say no, you have to come to the place where you say, okay. Now you could say something like, okay, I I get that. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I I don't know how to respond because your behaviors would typically follow that. But I want you to know, if you, if you do decide you want to talk about something, I'm here. And then here's the key. This is the part that proves you're tolerating the distress. You then have to act normal. You then have to live as though nothing's wrong. Because they've told you nothing's wrong. You've probed. You've asked. It's time to move forward. Okay, well, Joe, you started out talking about summer break. What does that have to do with this? Ah, oh, I'm glad you asked. Great question. One of the things that I have had to learn to do over summer breaks is just be in this moment. Just live in this moment. And most of the time, our distress causes us to want to go to the next moment. It wants us to move down. I was talking to somebody one time and I said, it's like we're trying to hit a pitch in the seventh inning when we're only in the first inning. If you don't know, that's a baseball softball analogy. We're trying to do something that hasn't occurred yet. And so tolerating it is just living in this moment. I don't need to steal myself. I don't need to prepare myself for summer break to end to the if it costs me not enjoying summer break right now. Just live in this moment. Just be present here. So today, 
We don't have anything planned. It's a work day. I got up this morning. I went to the chiropractor. I had to run home really quickly, pick something up. Now I'm here making this. And then I'm going to go over to the gym and I'm going to do my day. And yet I'm still going to find some time today to just check in with my kids, to just check in with my wife, to just be present. Right? I'm not going to worry about the end of summer until we get to the end of summer. Just live in this moment. But in order to do that, I have to feel the potential discomfort of, oh, summer's about to end. It's going to end way sooner than I want it to. Oh, I don't want it to end. Okay, but that I'll deal with that when I get there. I know that that has to happen. That's a part of life. It's a part of growing for my kids. It's a part of the growth process. But just enjoy today. Now, part of this comes out of the talking to yourself as opposed to listening to yourself, right? That voice that's running, that's screaming. Part of it is when we feel distressed with our spouse, we'll often, we'll, we'll make it worse because we want to solve it right now, right now. And as we run through it, what we're actually trying to solve is we're trying to avoid the pain that we think is coming. Instead of just living in the moment, okay, I asked her if anything's wrong. She said no. Uh, she's not overly happy, but she's not, you know, being mean. She's not being rude. She hasn't yelled. Uh, if she is doing any of those things, I could address those as, hey, I would appreciate if you didn't do that. We've talked about how, you know, we don't want to do those in our family. We could address the behaviors and then I have to move forward. But this is a developed skill because it has two parts, living in the moment and living in the distress of being afraid or wondering or believing that something negative is coming. There's some sort of negative discomfort coming. There is some sort of potential conflict coming. And you have to be able to develop that. Think about when it comes to sex. So many times people argue over sex, you know, and they're not really arguing over sex. What they're arguing over is what's coming. So I asked for sex and she says no. Common thing. I hear this. Well, I asked for sex and he says no. I asked for sex and she says no. Okay, well, do they ever ask you and you say no? Yeah, occasionally. Okay, why is that a problem? What if we never have sex? Or what if, or I feel like it's too much. Okay, have you talked to them about how they they don't really seem to want to uh, have sex much? No. Well, why not? Well, because I don't know where that's going to go. One of the most common phrases I hear is, is I don't know how to talk to them. To which usually I say, okay, what that typically means is you don't know how to talk to them in a way where they don't get mad. And usually people say, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. The problem with that is you're trying to use your words to control their response and you can't do that. So you have to live in the tension. You have to live in the distress. I was talking to a couple just recently uh, at a coffee shop. They're getting married um, and they've read my book. Uh, and so I guess they recognize me. I don't know. It's a little weird. But they excuse me. Are you Joe Martino? I was like, yes, I am. And so we started talking and we were talking about, you know, their upcoming marriage. And I asked them if they liked the book. And they said they did. And I told them we're about to re-release it with study guide questions in the book. If you own the book currently, a lot of people don't know this, even though it's literally printed on the back cover and inside the book. There are study guide questions online, emotionallysecurecouple.com. If you click on that link, there's study guide questions for each chapter. There's videos there that will help you learn the different skills in the book. But we were talking about it, and I said, let me ask you a question. How would you define healthy? What would you define as a healthy relationship? 
And of course, you know, they joke and they said, well, you're mostly secure couple. Ha ha ha. And I said, okay, yeah, but what does that mean to you? And as we're laying it out, one of the things that we started to talk about was, you know, he's like, well, sometimes I'll feel very strongly about something and I'll want to tell her how to do it. And I've learned to teach myself to sleep on it for 24 hours. And sometimes I just have to live in that, what he called uncomfortableness, what I call distress. And, and she said, yeah, there are times that he does something and I'm just like, why would you do it that way? But instead of saying that, I just say, have you thought about this? And then we just live in the, I think there's one way to do it and he thinks there's one way to do it. And I said, oh, you live in the distress. And they laughed and they said, yeah. And I said, the trick is to be able to navigate the distressful moments in a relationship without wounding anyone, without causing harm to each other. And too often, and I've talked about this in the past, I'm sure I'll talk about it in the future, too often we confuse hurt with harm. And so part of living in the distress is knowing that I might believe something that my wife finds hurtful. She might believe something that I find hurtful. She might think that I'm not giving the lawn the attention that it deserves, or I'm not doing... uh, One of the things that, you know, I'm not giving... Let's say, this is a common one I hear. She might think I'm not giving paying our bills on time the attention that deserves. And, and that, that'll spin out to a fight for a lot of people. And often I'll, ask, I'll stop them and say, wait, before you fight here in the room, before you pay me to fight, which you can do at home uh, without paying me, do you give your bills the attention they deserve? Do you pay your bills on time? Well, and then invariably excuses come. I worked with a couple and the wife said, I don't feel like I'm a priority to my husband. And, and he got angry. That's very hurtful. Okay, but is she a priority? Absolutely. Okay, why do you think you're not a priority? Well, I know he works a lot, but he got one afternoon off, and instead of coming home, he went to the bar to watch a soccer game. Oh, okay. So that's a problem. If you're saying she's a priority, and your boys are a priority, and you're at the bar when you could be home, I'm sorry, that's a problem. Well, but I want to see it. Yeah, welcome to living in the distress. Welcome to living in the tension. With teenagers, one of the things, and I watch a lot of conversations between parents and teenagers. Parents don't want to live in the tension of their kids becoming adults. And so their kids will talk to them and express feelings. And I watch it so often. Parents punish their kids for expressing feelings. Okay, so let's talk about a few practical steps of how we can develop this skill. The first thing we have to do is you have to determine that the person's response does not decide whether or not what you said was right, whether or not what you said was needed to be said, their response determines nothing other than their response. So if they get mad, that doesn't mean you were right. If they don't get mad, that doesn't mean you were right. It just means they got mad or they didn't get mad. You have to, the very first thing we have to do is we have to let go of the idea that their response determines the rightness or the wrongness of what we do. It has to be about bigger principles. So when I talk to couples, you have to ask yourself some questions. Are you pursuing your spouse? And whatever it is you're doing, are you pursuing their heart? Are you doing it for the best of the relationship and them or just for your best? And those are two really good guiding questions that help us start to engage the process of how do we tolerate the distress between a couple? How do we tolerate the hard, if you will, between a couple. So we start with that principle, the idea that we, that my wife's response has nothing to do with what I say. And then the other side of that is whatever her response is, 
is hers and I have to accept it. And I get a lot of pushback on this. But if I say to her, hey, is something wrong? And she says, no, I have to accept that. I can push back once. I can push back and say, okay, well, here's what's going on that I think is why I think there's something wrong. And if she says, well, there isn't, I say, okay. If you decide that there is and you want to talk about it, that's fine. And then I have to accept what she said and move on. Otherwise, I'm just banging my head into a wall. I'm frustrating her. I'm frustrating myself. I'm not actually solving the distress. And I would argue I'm not doing what's best for the relationship. And the difficult thing here is my spouse knows that what I'm doing is actually for my best. It's not for her best. And despite what society tells us today that you have to think about yourself first, it's just a lie. When I got married, I made a promise to think of her and the relationship first, and it becomes a difficult thing there. I'm not saying that I need to be a doormat. In fact, I think that's a completely wrong approach or that she needs to be a doormat. But we did make a promise to put the relationship first. And so by by saying, okay, I've asked, I have followed up and you've said, no, everything's fine twice. I'm going to accept that. I'm saying I'm going to treat you like an adult. I'm going to treat you like the adult that you are. And I'm going to move forward in this conversation, moving on with life. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be like on a great day. There might be stress. There might be tension. Which brings me to the third step. You have to own the fact that you can live in tension and not leave wounds. You can live with distress and not leave wounds. You can say things like, I disagree with you and not leave wounds. You can say things like, okay, I would appreciate it. Maybe we need a little break because you seem to be a little snappy with me. And it's okay. Simply because you feel distressed doesn't give you a pass to leave wounds. Simply because I feel distressed, it doesn't leave me, give me a pass to leave wounds in my spouse. So maybe she's grumpy. Maybe she's tired. Maybe she thinks I'm grumpy and I'm tired. And it's okay. We can sit there and we can live in that distress. We can feel that uncomfortableness and we can then simply move forward, understanding that it's fine, that it'll pass because moods pass. A number of years ago, my wife and I were out Christmas shopping and I was on edge. And so the conversation in the car was muted and it was... It was, it, was, it was not the enjoyable time that either one of us had envisioned. It wasn't bad. There wasn't a fight. We weren't snapping at each other. Well, she was in a fine mood, so I wasn't snapping at her. I was just on edge. And she said, hey, how about we get some coffee? We got some coffee, and it turned out that was all I needed, and I was fine. And we went on, and we had a great day. Imagine if we had had a fight rather than just, just live in that tension for a few minutes. Just live in that tension for a few minutes. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to develop this skill. So the first thing is their response doesn't determine whether or not you did something right. In other words, the fact that I was on edge on that Christmas trip didn't mean that my wife, Christmas shopping trip, good soul, doesn't mean that my wife did anything wrong. The other side of it is you don't control what the person does and then whatever happens, you still are bound by a certain way to talk, a certain method of communication, certain ground rules that you use to govern your relationship. And by the way, this rule is important because there are going to be sometimes when, when, when you legitimately mess up and your spouse is legitimately angry with you. And you might have to live in that anger. Now, they still are bound to talk to you. They have to be kind. They should still be uplifting. They should still work on building the relationship. They still shouldn't give themselves a pass 
for passive aggressive statements. But but just because like let's just say that you did something. Let's just we'll just use my wife now. Let's say I did something. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't get a kennel for the dogs or something. And she's legitimate and I told her I would. And then when I realized I didn't, I tried to cover it up. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm making this up on the fly. And, and she is legitimately mad with me. And let's say I'm like, Hey, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I should have handled it this way. I wronged you. Will you forgive me? She says, yes. Just saying you forgive someone doesn't mean the anger goes away. It's still there. I, when I work with couples where there's been an affair, you know, a lot of times they want to work it out, which is great. And I'm like, okay, great. How do you work out the forgiveness part? And we talk about that. But part of it is they have to develop the ability to live in the tension of, so my wife found out, my husband found out, I asked them for forgiveness. They gave me forgiveness, but they're still angry. Yep. And and, and sometimes the, the party that was cheated on will be like, well, of course I'm passive aggressive. He, she cheated on me. No, that isn't how it works. There still has to be greater principles at play in your relationship, which leads to the last thing. You have to have regular conversations, some that will be put down and picked back up, put down and picked back up, because that's how you develop the muscle of living in the tension. There are things, there are conversations that my wife and I have had where we have strongly disagreed, where she has thought I was wrong and I thought she was wrong, and we live in that tension. And we throw ideas at the wall and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't work. We, we throw uh, ideas at the wall that one of us thinks works and the other one doesn't think works. Because the last step, which is really kind of the first step, is we just accept the fact that there's always going to be some level of stressors because we're two different human beings trying to do life together. And if we both agreed on everything literally without any stress, one of us isn't necessary. And part of two people helping each other become better is living in the distress, is living in the discomfort. This is true in workplaces. This is true in intimate relationships. This is true in parenting. Your kids, if you do, if you engage the process in a way that allows it, your kids will help you be a better human being. Your coworkers can help you be a better human being. They have to participate. But certainly your most intimate relationships, if you engage the process, are going to have stress. And that stress can be good because it can be part of what helps you be better. Now, we're not talking about toxicity. I feel like I say this every time I, I, I touch on these topics. We're not talking about things where people are obliterating other people's feelings, where people are gaslighting other people, where people are talking to people in a way that isn't acceptable. Remember that fourth rule, which is we that fourth principle, which is you still have to be governed by good relationship principles because ultimately this should be about making a better relationship. But in order to make a better relationship, you have to be helping the other person become better. There's an article floating around social media right now about how it isn't a woman's job to make her man better. I agree and I disagree because when two people engage in a relationship Part of the promise that they're making to each other is that they will help each other become better. Now, he can't use his, he can't excuse his poor behavior. Well, she isn't making me better. That's hogwash. But, but there is a responsibility that I have to my wife to help her be the best version of herself. There is a responsibility that she has to me when she got married to help her make to help me become the best version of myself. So you should think about that and pray for her if, if you're of the praying type. That was a joke. Don't get all excited. It's summer. Enjoy the weather. 
Live in the moment, but live in the tension. Because when you can live in the moment, you live in the tension. And you know that there's tension coming. If you want to have a great relationship, live in the moment and live in the tension. Live with the distress. Thanks so much for listening. I know you can do anything with these 30 minutes, and I appreciate that you allow me to share them with you. If you enjoyed this show, please share it on social media. Uh, Share it with your friends. I really appreciate that. Give me a review in whatever store it is that you download this from. If you have an idea for the show, please send me an email. Uh, You can go to joemartino.com, click on the Contact Me page. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.